Wait, while you're ahead. Put the gun ahead. This is gonna go in. Well, good day, everybody. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Girl Hockey Dad Podcast. I have been dragging my heels a few days now, getting this ready, and uh, I apologize. (laughs) Despite what I was expecting, there's actually been a really great response to the first episode. I, I, I could have spent more time editing. I could have spent a lot more time doing a lot of things on that first episode, but like the title suggests, I just had to get the first one out there. I had to get the train wheels off, get things going, see how it felt, and get, ha- have a place to start from. I've listened to a million podcasts, and I have recorded exactly, well, actually, I was going to say zero, but a few, thanks to some friends uh, who are involved in this podcast. I have recorded. I've never had to go through the whole process before, so that is new for me. It's a learning curve, and so far it's been really fun, and I have every intention of trying to get each episode better than the one prior. The recording quality is going to get better over time. Try and say um less so I don't have to edit for uh, two hours to make everything work, but we'll see. So the first five minutes of the previous episode were definitely my least favorite. I'll do my best to keep the first five minutes a lot more tight and a little bit more interesting. We have a great guest coming up on either the next episode or the episode after. Depends on how our schedules line up. I'm not going to say who it is. I don't want to blow it. And uh, I also don't want to overcommit and then drop the ball. That's uh, the contractor inside of me is saying don't give away too much. Don't give any more information that is, uh, than is absolutely necessary so that we don't get looking like we misled anybody. <laughs> so I am super excited about this first interview. Next episode should be, will be, uh, the first uh, full-on interview episode, so I'm super excited. As of today, which is October 16th, 2023, there is a ton of news in the PWHL. This is going to be sort of the thing that I update frequently. It's what I'm paying closest attention to. For anybody that still hasn't heard, this is the Professional Women's Hockey League. And the news as of today is that the training camp rosters are all now official and available online. So if anybody paid attention to the draft, there's each, each of the six teams has a ton of players rostered and they're working through contracts. And now you can actually see the training camp rosters for invites and everything that's going to happen in November, December when they get going uh, with January as the puck drop still. So in that, there are a handful of players that have announced that they won't be attending the training camps. You can find those, uh, those players online as well. And it's a, the, the ones that I saw so far are players that are already playing overseas and not a huge shock as this is going to be a partial season. On top of that, uh, everybody's been talking about logos and team names. And, and to be completely honest, that's for me, I'm, I'm waiting to see. I mean, de facto going to be a Toronto fan. My daughter's favorite goalie in the world is Anne-Renée Debien. She's going to be playing in Montreal, so I've got a Montreal fan in the house now, which it is what it is. But Stan Kasten uh, of the uh, Mark Walters group, one of the owners, has announced that there will be team logos. 
They're not 100% whether they'll have the names ready, but for sure they're going to have logos, so that's cool. CCM has announced that they're going to be the official sponsor, the equipment sponsor of the PWHL, and that's amazing. They were already doing a lot of work with the PWHPA, so that's sweet. And then the big hometown news from Guelph, Ontario, is that the head coach of the women's OUA hockey team, Rachel Flanagan, has been hired as the assistant coach of the PWHL Toronto franchise. So congratulations, Rachel. And uh, we now know that Katie Mora, who is her assistant coach, will be moving into the head coach position, which is super exciting. That is all I'm going to say about the PW right now and move on to some actual minor hockey news. This past weekend was another busy one as far as tournaments go. Pink the Rink is Etobicoke, the Etobicoke Dolphins uh, big tournament every year and they had what looks like a huge turnout. Uh, so I'm just gonna go through who won what. I'm starting with the U11 double A's. The London Devilettes beat Burlington, won nothing, and took gold. A U13 double A, Sudbury Wolves took gold over the London Devilettes, four nothing. A 15 double A, the Hamilton Hawks beat the Gloucester, 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 somebody help me, I don't know how to pronounce this. Hamilton beat Gloucester, two one, to take gold, and in 18A, the Oakville Hornets beat the Smith Falls Cubs 2-1. Uh, so that was everything from Pink the Rink. Congratulations to everybody. Then the big U18, U22 tournament that went on this past weekend was the US Canada Cup Series in Detroit. And the winner of the U19, U22 division was Chicago Mission. They beat Philadelphia 3-2 in OT. And at the U16, U18 division, Belltire defeated the Oakville Hornets 1-0. And that's, that's all the tournament updates. I know there was a ton of other stuff going on. At some point, I'll start posting some of these summaries on the Spotify uh, channel so everybody can check it out if they feel so inclined. Okay, I think I alluded to this a little bit last week or uh, last episode to say... We want to talk about the need or the desire to have a U16 program in women's hockey. If you're new to hockey, um, if you didn't grow up in hockey, uh, a few years ago we went we went through the switch from the named divisions to the numbered divisions. You know, before the last few years, it was Tyke, Novice, Adam. Um, was it Tyke, Novice, Adam, Bantam? Peewee Midget or Peewee Bantam Midget, whatever. In one of those, <laughs> one of those systems, and here you go. Here's the reason why we made the change. USA Hockey already had the the number system, so they went from U6 through U21, and I think there's a chance that even below U9, they still had the Tyke or Mites or I forget exactly what they called it. But we are all now seemingly on the same system of numbers. So in girls hockey and women's hockey, you have your U9, U11, U13, U15, U18, U22. And you can tell that there's a two-year span for each development year except for U13 or sorry U18. You get into this three-year program. And this is where we want to have the conversation around why is it that in Boys hockey, you've got U6, U7, U8, da 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 da, all the way up until you hit a double year at U18, and then U21. I don't want to do a lot of comparison from from boys to girls, and 
some of the reason this topic specifically has come up is when you get into the U15 years, so you've done two years, your girls are uh, 13, 14 years old, and then they're going to make the jump into U18. U18, now you've got 15, 16, 17-year-olds. So in some cases, you can have a 14-year-old jo joining into a team with as old as 17-year-olds. And I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the tier system as well in girls hockey. We don't have AAA in Canada. They do in the States. Here we just have um, up to AA. That's Tier 1, Tier 1 hockey. Part of the discussion or part of the argument that I've heard thrown around is registration. Well, there's, there's not enough registration of players and teams in girls hockey to really justify having the every year uh, for development. And I, I found that a little bit weird, did a little bit of digging into the numbers, and it doesn't really make any sense to me. I was going to try and go at this from a, you know, look at how much registration has increased in girls hockey in the last 10 years. And it's not that it hasn't, it has. In the 2009-2010 season, there was 1,034 teams and 16,540 players registered in the OWHA. So this is just Ontario Women's Hockey Association. That's not in Canada. That's not, I'm, I'm just speaking about the Ontario Women's Hockey Association. We're only talking about the three years of U18 and the major year of U15 when I'm talking about these numbers. So you're talking about 1,034 teams in 2009-2010 season, and then you're talking about 1,125 teams in the 2019-2020 season. In comparison, the OWHA is going to be what we use as the baseline for girls hockey, and the OMHA is what we're using in Ontario as our, as our baseline. U15 boys hockey you had 237 teams registered at the U15 level. At U16, it dropped to 100 teams. And then at U18, it shoots back up to 224 teams. We'll use that as a guideline when we say that there's a lot more teams in, in, in girls' registration. So I, I don't want to hear the argument that it doesn't make sense to have every year, like the boys when it comes to girls' hockey, solely for registration. I don't think that makes any sense. So let's say that registration numbers are high enough to have it make sense that, you know what, maybe, maybe we should look at switching. I understand that you're talking about changing an entire system. So all we're talking about right now is U16. So let's, let's just look at why we're talking about this. So when you, you play your, your minor year and your major year in U15, and like we said, now you're going to jump into U18 and you've possibly got players that are 17 years old playing against girls that are 14 years old. The problem to me, or what's hard to understand, is that it exacerbates the situation that we even have in U15, where as you start your U15 year, you've come out of U13, you're a major U13, you're coming into your minor year U15. The major-minor split can really affect teams. So it, it really can affect the compete between different teams in the OWHA, across the board, you're going to have some stronger teams and some weaker teams every year, depending on how the split is. You know, it, different centers have different approaches to how they would actually work the major-minor thing. You want to have, you know, heavier major count, almost entirely major in, in the second year, and, you know, maybe a few majors in the first year. Well, even that gets a little bit weird. So even as I'm saying this, you can see how it would really make sense to go even if you have to have two years going up to U13, go into U14. Go U13, go U14, U15. 
anyways, maybe I'm talking about, I'm, I'm already in a dream world. I'm talking about changing everything now. And all we were starting with was, hey, why not have a U16? Focus fill. The reason we're bringing up the U16 thing is, okay, so now, now you've got a lot of competitive players looking for a spot on a roster. You have three years on a U18 roster, and you have players that maybe they start, they're very strong from the get-go. So they start their minor year, they're 15 years old starting U18. They're going to hold a roster spot right through until they graduate out. Now, we all know that that's not entirely true in today's day and age, that there are players that are going from their minor U18 year straight to the P-Dub, right to U22 elite. So it doesn't always apply this way. But what is clear is that it's forcing players that are really likely AA players down. So you come from U15, now you have all of these kids fighting for a limited amount of spaces at U18. You've got these Tier 1 players that have maybe even been playing Tier 1 their whole careers. And now they're coming into a situation where they have to fight for a spot. And instead of it really being open in a minor major year or however, like year over year, You've got girls that are getting pushed down, which is which is fine. I mean, I'm, I can already hear people saying, no, don't worry about letter chasing if you're good enough, blah, blah, blah. Whatever, that's fine. But if you're used to playing top-tier hockey, and now all of a sudden there's no space, you're 14 turning 15, maybe you've got a part-time job, you've got relationships, you've got studying, you've got high school, you've got all this stuff starting. Well, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to have a bunch of players now that are like, well, screw it. I don't want to do this anymore. I'll play a lower level just for kicks, just so that I'm having fun because I don't want to play this game. I don't want to fight. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. What I'm getting at in this is there's a real possibility that players, when they're going from the U15 into U18, they're, they may have had a great playing career. Maybe they were looking to play university. Maybe they were looking to do something with hockey. And it can really get ugly going into U18. This is a huge year. I think for any young adult going from 14 to 15, 15 to 16, there's a lot going on right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm coaching that age group. It's no joke. So if you're, if you're looking at how do we develop these players, how do we develop good people? Anybody who's got their kid in hockey has had the speech with their kids a million times that hockey equates to life. The things that you're learning to develop, to be a good teammate, to be a, a, a competitive player, all of the things that we teach our kids are applicable to life. And it sucks to see a mess in a year, in a very, in a very important or very pivotal development year, this, this mess that happens where kids are getting bumped down or bumped out entirely. It, it sucks. What's the argument? This is what I don't know. I'm, I'm looking for somebody to, to, to tell me why it doesn't make sense to have a U16 level. I have reached out to the OWHA, made a request for comment on this, and nobody got back to me. I did give them four weeks to respond. So I'm going to hold to the fact that I didn't get a response on this. And I invite the conversation to continue. A good friend of mine um, who hopefully is listening to this, uh, this episode <laughs> in, a, in a road trip was like, who do we need to talk to? What do we need to do to make this happen? Um, and I think it's fair to say that you, if you just look at the numbers alone, you really could justify that a U16 would make a lot of sense. You then take all of your majors from that U15 year and they go straight to U16 and you've got your double A, single A, however many teams would make sense at that age group. And maybe it only is double A, A, and double B or something like that. But I, I would love to have somebody show me the way that the numbers don't work to make this make sense because I, 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 don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. 
just even based on a conversation I had this morning and a, and a, and a text from a, an old coach, one of my kids, former coaches, great guy. He, he made a comment that one of the topics he would really like to see discussed, and here's a bit of a segue into a, a future episode, but why aren't more females getting into coaching in women's hockey? That is something that I do really want to talk about, and that is something that I'm planning to get into with a lot of these interviews to see why it is that more past players aren't just automatically getting into coaching. It, to me, it makes perfect sense, and I, you know, I don't want to get yelled at by parents. We've all seen the crazy parents, and we've all seen the way people conduct themselves. I'll throw myself in there as well. I've I've been one of those people from time to time. Hopefully, not. Uh, hopefully, less than more. I just. I know that if you add another division, you're going to add a U16, you're going to have the situation where, well, we need more volunteers. And I know it's already hard enough to get volunteers. Here's a couple more topics that we got to get into. Why are there not more female coaches volunteering? Why are organizations not leaning into having paid coaching positions for tier one, tier two teams? And why are we not doing a better job of recruiting volunteers into these organizations that can help things run more smoothly. It's not like we have a shortage of registration. It's not like we have a shortage of people looking to do whatever they can to give their kids the best experience. Hockey is a fantastic sport. It's why we're all here. It's fast paced. It's there's such development personally, mentally, emotionally, physically. It's awesome. So again, Show me the reason why we can't have U16. There's a lot of different angles to come at this from. I want to start a conversation. I'd love to revisit some of these topics that we've already ta uh, talked about. I'd, I'd love to come back with updates. I'd like to come back with people's input and feedback. It would be great to have constructive conversation about this that could lead to some kind of change, some kind of impact in the OWHA, in the development of girls hockey. It would be fantastic. Are we going to go to an every year system in the next two years? I really doubt it. There are pages and pages of things that could be added or changed in the way we operate in the OWHA or in girls hockey across North America. It's not going to change overnight. You know what? I'll leave you with this topic. Why don't we introduce a AAA division in Canada? We do have it in the States. You see it a lot in these U.S.-Canada tournaments like we talked about earlier that you've got AAA teams from the States coming into Canada and playing. It's, it's Tier 1 to Tier 1. We have AA, they have AAA. That's Tier 1 to Tier 1. But maybe part of the smoother development inside of girls hockey is to have a AAA division that maybe has less teams. Let's just say, I've got it up in front of me right now. So let's, let's say at U18, you've got a AA system that has 47 teams, 47 to 50 teams. At A, you have 65. At double B, you have 69, 70. What's to say we can't have a triple A with 20 teams? It might water down the, the A, or it might actually bring some of the double Bs up into A. It, it may encourage more development. That's, that's, that's really what we want to see. More consistent and even development across all streams. Well, I, and I've heard this said too, but you have girls that are 100% playing AA right now that could easily, easily be jumped up a year. So you're seeing it now. U15 players are playing U18. You've got players are skipping U18 and going right to U22 Elite. Go back to my previous comments. I don't know how from the development of 
the person of the kid, how that's a great thing. Some kids are built different. I get it. And they can do it, but it's not for everybody. It's not, it's going to be expected of everybody. I don't, I don't know. I think we got something to talk about here. It decisions that could be made that could make a smoother development stream. That's all I'm saying. So I think we'll probably wrap it up there with episode two. I don't want to get too lengthy with these things. I feel like that 20 minute mark is pretty consumable. I, I don't want to drag on and drag on and drag on. I know that once we get the interviews in here, they're going to get longer. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but until I'm actually saying something that's worth listening to, uh, maybe keep it short, maybe keep it simple. Anyways, everybody, thank you so much for coming back again. It's so awesome to see more and more people subscribing to Spotify to see the new episodes as they come out. It's awesome to see more people following us on Instagram. And I invite everybody, please tell your friends, send them an episode, get them to listen Send me an email, send me something on Instagram if there's something you want to talk about, if you want to hear discussed. And uh, tell me your thoughts on something. I'm going to leave you with this. What do you think about getting some coaches on here to chat? I mean, I don't know. Could be dangerous, could be fun. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. And until next time. Oh, red, green. Keep your stick on the ice. <laughs>